Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi and welcome to episode 3 of series 3 of From Page to Practice. Today we are looking at Mark Roberts' The Boy Question. We have an introduction to the book by Mark and then we'll hear from four readers about how they have applied the book to their practice. If you've not already listened to it, Boys Don't Try, which Mark co-authored with Matt Pinkett, was covered in the first series of From Page to Practice in a very early episode. Do check that out if you find this an interesting topic. Let's hear from Mark then about the book, why he wrote it and what he hopes you will get from reading it. Hello, my name is Mark Roberts and I'm the author of The Boy Question. As well as being a writer, I'm also a teacher of English and director of research at Carrick Fergus Grammar School in Northern Ireland. Uh, and hopefully readers of this book will see that whilst I'm someone who spends a lot of time um, dealing with and, and uh, really digesting educational research, I'm also someone who spends a lot of time in the classroom and gets a lot of pleasure out of teaching, and hopefully this is something that runs through the book uh, and is something that appeals to people who are practitioners in, in their day-to-day lives. Back in 2019, um, I wrote a book with Matt Pinkett called Boys Don't Try and that was a really successful um, book that that really got a lot of people thinking about issues around male academic underattainment and as a result of the the success of that book I was asked to to speak at lots of educational conferences uh, and to go and, and to speak and deliver CPD at schools around the UK uh, and, and whilst I was talking about some of the ideas in Boys Don't Try, I noticed that a lot of the same questions in response to some of the, the theories and ideas that I'd been talking about kept on cropping up. So teachers all around the, the country were asking similar kind of questions about boys. Uh, things like, how can I make sure that I respond effectively to difficult behaviour from some boys? Um, do boys need male teachers as role models? How can we ensure that, that boys are given the most effective feedback? What can we do to, to get more boys reading? Uh, and so on. Uh, and the, the nine most popular questions I put together uh, in this new book, The Boy Question, and it was something that I wanted to respond to these kind of common issues, problems and queries. Now, I suppose that the, the real focus for the, the boy question is that I wanted to make sure that whilst it's full of, um, of evidence and it's based on, on solid research that's out there, I wanted to make sure it could be something that could be really practical and can help busy classroom teachers who don't necessarily have the time to sit down and digest all of these, these complex theories. So I wanted to make sure that it got solid research base, but it could be something that could give tips that could be used to make a kind of immediate impact uh, for, for a teacher who might be struggling with certain aspects of, of, of the boy question. So the book was separated in, into three strands, so three chapters in each of these strands. 
so the first one really looks at ideas around motivating boys. The second three chapters are all about having high expectations of boys and what this might look like in practice. And the, the third area is really about boys' literacy and what we can do to, to improve uh, their attitudes to reading, uh, but also their written communication as well. And I think that the, the idea of motivation is something that, that runs really um, as an integral, fundamental part of, of the book. Um, I've, I've written in the past about how ideas around engagement can be really problematic uh, and that a lot of the, the issues around boys and education in the past, we, we've tried to, to get around this by having boy-friendly curricula and by using some of these engagement strategies uh, like competition and making uh, the curriculum relevant to their lives, which are, are really um, not helping, have been very much counterproductive. So in the boy question, I wanted to show how teachers can engage boys by making them taste success in subjects and thinking about subject-specific approaches to motivating boys and that motivation is something that comes from success rather than through kind of things like uh, you know using gimmicks to hook boys in. So that's something that I think that really runs through the, the core of the book and I'm hoping that, that teachers will, will find those ideas uh, particularly helpful and, and hopefully might go on to transform the way that they talk um, to boys about academic success because I think that the language is something that's really important. So it looks at things like praise, uh, target grades and, and those kind of ideas that we often send these kind of messages to boys and we appeal to their motivations in a way that's not as healthy as it might be. So those are kind of things that I'm hoping teachers will pick up on. Um, but I think that the key thing is, as a teacher, I wanted to give as many practical examples as possible. So, for example, in the, in the behaviour chapter, which looks at how teachers can most effectively deal with frustrations uh, and, and anger that we might sometimes feel when we're dealing with, with poor behaviour by some boys. Uh, and I want to say, OK, well, what might this look like? You know, the research tells us that a calm and direct non-threatening approach is, is what works but what does it look like so I'm really going back and, and thinking about kind of case studies and examples uh, throughout my teaching career of, of situations that I've had to de deal with situations that I've maybe not dealt with well as opposed to situations that I've dealt with and have had a much better outcome so I wanted to make this something that the, that the busy classroom teachers you know potentially teaching a five period day can sit down and can take some real practical steps that can immediately um, improve their relationships with boys and improve the way that they um, use pedagogical strategies to, to really uh, tackle some of these big uh, and quite stubborn issues. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing what the contributors have had to, to think about this book, what they've had to say about this book, and I'm hoping that they'll find stuff in it that's going to be useful and that's going to bring about a, an improvement to, to boys' academic success. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks, Mark, for that introduction to the book. Now let's hear from the readers, and first we'll start with Zoe. Hello, um, my name is Zoe Entha and I'm going to be talking about Mark Roberts' new book, uh, The Boy Question, and uh, perhaps some of the implications that it has for me in my role 
and as a specialist advisor for English, and uh, really thinking about what it is that uh, perhaps are some of those thorny issues that we're struggling to deal with when we're thinking about gender in schools. Um, I, I'd previously read uh, Mark's other book, The Boys Don't Cry, and it really prompted me into some deep thinking around uh, what those issues were. Um, you know, as a mother of a son um, who's now very much grown up, and, and I felt that I was fairly well versed in some of those issues that um, he'd experienced over time, as well as obviously um, working in schools for a number of years. And um, I felt that I'd always been um, quite open to exploring my own uh, language, my own assumptions and my own attitudes uh, towards gender. But actually, um, that first book already had started to get me thinking about, well, actually, what are my expectations? Are my expectations always the same? Um, how perhaps is some of that revealed in the language that uh, I use? And, and that really encouraged me to have some of those conversations with people that I was working with in my schools as well around that. And um, a lot of this is extended in the boy question um, and, can, again, continues to pick up on the research around that and uh, perhaps some of the questions that we should be asking ourselves when we're uh, thinking about how we can get the best for this particular group and, and indeed for all of our students, because um, I often find uh, with Mark's writing that a lot of that is, is equally applicable to, um, to boys and girls. Um, or whether we're thinking about potential vulnerable groups within our school and, and really just questioning and challenging our attitudes is important. But what I think uh, is really interesting about the boy question is it feels like he, he goes a step further. And uh, although there is a strong research base that he refers to frequently, he also gives lots of practical ideas and lots of practical examples um, within the book itself. So you actually get a glimpse inside his classroom as to what has been successful when he's been working with young men in order to raise their aspirations um, and particularly around uh, English because we know there's this idea that it's a kind of female or feminized subject uh, rightly or wrongly and um, sometimes the, that can be quite putting uh, and indeed the idea of being aspirational or showing your aspiration or your, or your academic um, again that can be a, a bit of a cultural issue um, for young men to be dealing with in schools uh, depending on, on their general context um, and this idea that this is something that boys just don't do um, is obviously quite problematic and again I think um, all of the points that Mark raises in the book um, they are really applicable to these other areas and, and when we're thinking about how we're engaging with disadvantaged youngsters and what it is that we might be doing in order to ensure that we are not somehow uh, kind of transferring our own views our own attitudes towards them um, there's a lot of kind of humor in the way that he writes as well so you know I really enjoy his writing style um, but again he's he's constantly challenging us to to think more deeply and perhaps go um, further so uh, in one chapter in particular um, he sets out this stall of um, you know what the bronze readers are going to do in the book and and, and you're basically you know good luck you might we might get a general gist of what's going on um, and what the silver readers may well take from it and what the gold readers takes from it and so um, you know gender aside 
um, we're starting to perhaps think a little bit more about, um, you know, how we might be organising things like differentiated tasks, differentiated objectives, um, even if they aren't things that are are written on the board in that kind of um, almost some way way of presenting them that I've seen in the past. Um, Perhaps are we already expecting that of our students, you know, and should we be thinking, well, you know, have I got different expectations of what they can achieve here in my subject? Is there something inherent in that? And, and should be, we be aware of it? So like I say, it's, it's really chock full of these practical ideas. Um, I think especially um, when it comes to self-study and revision, there are some really important points there um, about how we do that. And, uh, and certainly my own school experience where, when I was there, you were just told to head off to revise. And it wasn't until I was studying for my A-levels, I really knew what that was. Um, It it was just a a vague statement and that's what you were meant to be doing at home and nobody really gave you an explanation. And uh, I think we've come a long way in the profession and we've really unpicked that with the the help of people like John Danlosky to think about what does that mean um, when we're saying to those students, go off and uh, revise. And perhaps how has that been conveyed to young people, has it been conveyed in a different way? Um, are we expecting them to do the same things? And perhaps are there some things that uh, they've already been socialised into a way of doing this that um, that we need to be aware of when we are really directing them further um, as they move up the school, um, particularly with exams around the corner? I certainly had um, a number of young men that I worked with and uh, their view very much was, well, I don't need to revise. Um, I'm not going to be putting that effort in. Um, what's in it really for me? I'll be okay on the day. It, it's all it's all going to come out in the wash um, or, or it just doesn't really matter. And uh, really thinking about how we perhaps integrate that into our lessons to make it clear, actually, this is the benefit. This is why it works. Um, and, and I've become quite a fan over, over the years in using things like uh, the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve in order to demonstrate to them exactly why I'm asking or using some of that research around self-study so that they can really understand that. And, and Mark, um, he obviously draws on this as well uh, and has written previously about the idea that well, you can't revise for English. Well, yes, you can. Um, and so actually his three books there, um, they combine beautifully Uh, to give us some really interesting insights, as I say, into his own practice and things that we can take further. Um, And so, you know, I would strongly recommend that that people do read this and and use it as an opportunity to reflect on what you were doing already and uh, to try out some of those ideas. And and certainly that's something that um, I've been doing when I've been working with schools is really, again, getting them to think about their own assumptions, to think about their own ideas, what it perhaps their language conveys. We might think that we've got those same kind of expectations and aspirations for all young people, but sometimes we need to take a step back from how we emotionally feel around that and uh, and challenge ourselves to make sure that we really, really have. So it, it's, it is a really fantastic read. Um, you know, it's well-structured so that you can dip in and out. And, and certainly it's a book that I will be going back and forward with as well as that initial uh, full read. So thank you for listening. And uh, I hope that you've enjoyed just hearing a few snippets about that book and uh, that you 
do get hold of a copy of um, the boy question and uh, see how it will help you. So thank you very much. Bye. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Zoe. A pleasure, as always, to have you on the podcast, either as a reader or an author. Next up, we'll hear from Sophie. Hi, I'm Sophie Unsworth. I'm Head of English and a mentor to new teachers at a secondary school in Swindon. Today I'm going to talk about Chapter 5 of The Boy Question, titled, How Can I Give Boys Effective Feedback? Firstly, I'm going to talk about aspects of the chapter that I found most interesting, and then the ideas I've started to apply to my practice. In this chapter on feedback, Mark Roberts states, To have real impact and help underperforming boys make rapid gains, feedback needs to follow five principles in order to be most effective. Firstly, it needs to be diagnostic. Students need to know precisely what they need to do to move to the desired standard. It needs to be timely, acted upon so that students have opportunities to apply the feedback they're given, understandable for specific students and motivational to encourage students to put effort into into improving themselves as learners. These principles are important because feedback does not universally improve performance. In fact, research into feedback has found that over a third of feedback given by teachers actually decreases performance. So how can feedback decrease performance? In this chapter, Mark Roberts references three ways. Boys often don't want to appear keen in lessons, so will avoid asking their teachers for clarification if they don't understand something in the feedback. Imprecise comments from teachers can actually intensify student misunderstanding as these comments might be misinterpreted. And then teachers marking a comment in students' work as a mistake rather than noting it down as an error that they need to plan a reteach for. What I also found interesting in Robert's book was the idea of gendered feedback. So teachers assuming that boys know how to improve but just aren't doing it. Or boys can be more likely to receive negative managerial feedback linked to their work habits, which is both demotivating and non-diagnostic for students. Roberts references the EEF's research into written feedback, which stated that teachers need to focus more on giving feedback on the content, organisation or construction of arguments in students' work rather than on procedural feedback. Roberts also writes about how feedback should move away from performance goals related to task completion. As teachers being preoccupied with task completion is just about the worst thing you can do when giving feedback to boys. Boys are vulnerable to opting out or self-sabotage as a self-protection strategy. Instead, they should be given feedback that focuses them on thinking hard through learning or mastery goals and to encourage them to improve continually over time. Students should only be given grades when absolutely necessary. As well as being wary of giving grades as part of feedback, Roberts also thinks teachers should limit linking praise and rewards to feedback. That's because feedback of this nature, giving points or stickers, conditions students to be extrinsically motivated rather than seeing the learning itself as useful and satisfying. Boys can also interpret feedback from a skewed perspective. So teachers should be wary about making empty comments such as you're really good at this subject, as students could then look to blame others if their later performance is substandard. As Dylan Williams says, feedback needs to improve the learner, not the task. So empty feedback comments, like brilliant idea, 
are meaningless as they're imprecise and require further explanation to be helpful to students' future learning. In terms of how I have applied ideas from this chapter of the boy question to my own practice and the practice of other English teachers in the faculty I need, I'm going to focus on two strategies that I've developed since reading this book in the summer term of last year. To give a little context about the English team I need, over half the team are currently inexperienced with three trainees, one ECT and two RQTs in our team of 10 teachers. So developing teacher subject knowledge has been a real area of focus in my faculty improvement plan this year. In this chapter on feedback, Mark Roberts references research that looked at how teacher feedback to student responses can be shaped by subject knowledge deficits. And to go back to his earlier principles for effective feedback, limited subject knowledge could also limit feedback being both diagnostic and understandable to students. In order to work on subject knowledge, I ensure that faculty time is dedicated to discussing the text we teach with wider reading promoted. For example, we spend time studying key extracts together that the team will be using in upcoming lessons. And through this co-planning, we script explanations and questions, as well as spending time practising how teachers might react and respond to an unexpected question or answer from a student. The other feedback strategy that Mark's chapter made me think about more in terms of my own classroom practice and practice across the faculty is live marking. Live marking enables teachers to give students, especially underperforming boys, timely, precise diagnostic feedback to further motivate them as they write. And the new teachers in my team haven't had much experience or practice of this yet because of COVID restrictions. And we found students' writing stamina to have been impacted by remote learning too. So live marking can be a useful tool to provide immediate scaffolding to make students feel successful in the moment and improve boys' confidence in their writing when it comes to independent writing practice. Again, with new teachers, we make time in faculty and mentor meetings to practice how to live mark effectively and how to circulate the classroom. We hope this culture of deliberate practice and data-driven instruction will help underperforming boys in our school to make improved progress this year. Thanks to Bex for asking me to speak on her podcast today and to Mark Roberts for writing this chapter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is sunsworth 90 Thanks. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thank you, Sophie, for contributing today, and I'm glad you got something out of the experience. Next up is Connor. Hi, I'm Connor Boyle, and I'm head of French at a secondary school in Nottinghamshire, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you about The Boy Question by Mark Roberts, because first of all, it's just um, a really interesting book. It's a fantastic read. Um, there are lots of brilliant case studies. There is uh, evidence from research. There are practical tips. And um, I just find it a really, um, a really, like I say, a really readable book, um, and really, really enjoyed reading it. It's also a topic that I'm that I'm really passionate about. Um, I actually previously taught at an all boys school in Ireland. When I was younger, I actually went to an all boys school as well, a different one also in Ireland. Um, and and as head of a subject which traditionally I think has been seen as a subject which maybe boys are not as keen on as other subjects. Um, 
in, in our current languages department, I'm the only male. And that's actually been the norm in other languages departments that I've been in. In other schools, I, I've tended to be the only male. Definitely um, have usually been a minority if there have been others. Um, and, and I really think it's important to, to ensure that, that obviously boys can succeed as well as girls um, in, in languages um, that, uh, you know, in, in our school, in, in, but also in all subjects across all schools. And, and like I say, it's something that I'm really passionate about and I really um, work hard to, to make sure that, that they can do that. And that's why I was really keen to read the boy question and it really didn't disappoint. It had loads of practical practical information. And to be honest, um, there's quite a lot I could share, but I'm just going to focus on, on one thing, which I think is the first chapter in the book about boys' motivation. And um, I think that can sort of be the, the biggest thing that people worry about. I think we can you know, you see people talking about it, posting about it on on um, teacher groups on, on Facebook or or on Twitter. Things like, um, I have a really boy heavy group. What what can I do to to make them succeed? To make them to make them engaged? Um, I see the word engagement quite a lot, and I really think from from reading the boy question and also the book that Mark Roberts co wrote um, previously, boys don't try. That um, that. That we've sort of been missing something about um, about boys' engagement, um, both both in languages and and I'm sure in other subjects as well, which is that there is a real um, very often when when boys might not seem engaged, I think really really often that can be put down to a fear of failure, a fear that they that they if they try they won't do as well as maybe the the really um, sort of studious girl that you might see in the classroom who might be aiming for a grade nine and have really detailed and really um, neat and, and colourful notes in her book. And so um, if they're, no matter how hard they work, they're, they're not going to do well, then it's just easier not to try. And then at least you can, you can save face. Um, and the book talks quite a bit about, about what motivates boys, what doesn't motivate boys and why they might be unmotivated, um, that, that they might self-sabotage rather than trying to succeed and fail. And so that's really, um, really informed, I suppose, a new way of thinking and a new approach that, that I've taken to my lessons and, and to my planning over the past couple of years. Um, because previously, I might have done something like, for example, if I was asking pupils to do a piece of writing, um, an extended piece of writing in French about the topic we were studying, I might have um, done something like I might have I might have given them a really really good model answer written myself, um, a really really high standard model answer, and expected them to be able to um, to be able to look at that and um, and sort of um, almost do something as good. And actually, what I've realised recently is that not only was that was that. Um, not not as effective as it could have been. I actually think that that actively might have hindered those pupils who might have been less motivated, less engaged, because that model answer that I can write as um, a qualified teacher of the language, as a specialist in that subject, is obviously going to be um, is going to seem so far away from what they're able to produce at that stage. And so I sort of rethought the way I do things, and and this is just one example, and there are loads of other ways um, in which in which I rethought what I did, and I'm sure you can apply this to your subject, whatever it might be. So if we were doing writing now, I'd forget about my perfect answer. In fact, um, I, 
I wouldn't do a perfect answer just by myself at any point. What I do is I break the task down, think about what we have to do, what we can, what, um, what we as a class know, and build it up slowly using the knowledge that, um, that the pupils have in the class. So um, if we have to write about, for example, in French, um, about the members of your family, think about um, what we know how to say. Um, we know how to say I have, we know how to say, you know, two brothers, um, he is called, she is called, whatever it might be. Um, we uh, think about what we know and build that up. And what I've found is that that's, um, that's, been, um, that's been so much more effective than, than the way I did things previously. And I think that's down to a couple of reasons. First of all, it, um, it, it allows the pupils, um, including those, those demotivated boys, to show what they know. I always make a point of telling them. I always say, I didn't tell you any new words in that. I didn't write any of that. I just asked you what we know. Um, I, um, I asked you to give me the answers and you all wrote that as a class. Um, I, um, I think it shows them how to, how to break down the task. There's a later chapter in the book which talks about um, instilling good study habits in boys, which more focuses on, on revision and how, um, obviously this is, this is a generalization, but in general, girls, if they were revising, they might make their own flashcards, they might uh, make a neat study plan, whereas boys might be more likely to, for example, just read over their notes, or they might not even be sure where to start. And the book gives some fantastic advice about how we might help boys to, to structure their revision in a more practical way and, and break what they need to do down into smaller tasks. And I've tried to do the same thing with, with the extended writing um, in, in my lessons. Um, and it all stems from, um, from what I think is, is the, the crux of, of what the book is trying to get us to achieve. And it actually says it on the front cover. Um, it says the boy question, how to teach boys to succeed in school. And I think if there's one takeaway from the book, that's it. That if we are going to just expect boys or girls to, to succeed, to be able to, to do what we can uh, without, without having taught them how to do that, um, to be able to do things to the quality we can or to be maybe as organised as we can, that's not going to be a realistic expectation. And so what we need to do is really, um, really teach our pupils, teach our boys, and we're teaching our girls as well, um, what they might need to do if they have a task, how to break that down. What would I do um, if I was in your situation? Um, and and um, showing them that they can do the same thing it's the sort of thing that, um, that, that it's, maybe, it's maybe not a quick fix. It's maybe the sort of thing that, that takes longer, that sort of builds up slowly over a longer period of time. I started at, at my current school. Um, I've, I've been there for nearly a year and I've, I've only just found recently, actually, I would say in one of my classes, uh, one of my year 10 classes that I also had last year, literally, um, literally at the end of last week, I finally feel like I, I got through to, to the sort of the most reticent um, boy in, in that year 10 class. Um, and, and it was through just, just persistently sort of modeling, building things up, building up their confidence and showing them that, that, they, that they can succeed. It might take a little bit more work, 
but it's actually worth the effort in the end. So um, I'd, I'd really encourage you to, to go out and, and buy the boy question. It is, it is fantastic. Um, like I say, for me, the motivation really resonated with me um, and teaching them to succeed, showing them what they might need to succeed. But um, I'm sure for, um, for, for every different reader, there'll be, di there'll be different things you can, you can take from it. And I'm sure if I were to read it again today, there, there'd, be, there'd be more things that I maybe um, hadn't even picked up on the last time. Um, so I'd really recommend it to everyone, whether, um, whether you're, you're doing a PGCE or, or whether you're, you're a school leader, I really think there's a lot that you can, that you can take from it. Um, and it's really something that, that I'm passionate about and that, that I'm sure um, you all are too. Um, so I hope that was helpful um, and thank you for letting me contribute to this podcast. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks for your reflections, Connor. Finally, we're going to hear from Catherine. My name's Catherine Owen and I am Head of Geography at the King Alfred School and Academy in Somerset. I also tweet with the name at Jogmum. I really enjoyed reading this book, um, The Boy Question. Absolutely fantastic. And here are three of the things that I would like to share with you. The first one, I have to say, tickled my um, humour a bit because um, having taught for 27 years, I have sat through a lot of aspiration assemblies. And so it was great to um, see someone saying they don't actually work. Um, I found it really interesting, the idea that um, being confident in your abilities needs to be domain specific. I had been thinking about this for a while and that teachers need to show students what success looks like and help them achieve that. And that then linked in really well to the section on feedback, which is later in the book and thinking about um, helping students know specifically what they need to do to be successful and then they will gain confidence as they are achieving that success. So that was one of the first things that I'd like to share with you. The next thing was um, I was really interested to see the area of teacher anger being tackled. I don't think I've ever come across this in any of the books that I've read. I've read quite a few edgy books and it was really interesting to look at this, not because I'm a particularly angry teacher, but because this is definitely an issue that we see in schools and particularly when teachers getting wound up by the behaviour of boys um, and sometimes girls, um, how that can then lead to so many repercussions. Um, I think the advice here is just excellent. Um, getting teachers to realise that the students aren't going to blame themselves for the teacher getting upset and angry, they're going to um, blame the teacher. There is such good advice on um, the case of the flying biro um, on page 27. The idea of turning down the heat, so taking a breather if you feel like you're getting angry, um, taking your time and then raising the bar, not your voice. So um, not using, you know, that big shouty voice. Um, resetting the temperature in the classroom and making it clear that you're not going to tolerate the distractions. Um and not making it about yourself, but also not making it about them. So I just thought, you know, that's such good advice. And um, like I say, I'm not really an angry teacher, but when students are sometimes starting to be a little bit grating, if they're trying to um, take you 
off the focus of the lesson. I've definitely been thinking, right, okay, time to um, call it down, time to have a pause now. Uh, just, you know, maybe just stroll away from the student that's demanding that negative attention and spend some time with another student and then maybe just return back very calm and have that conversation. So that was really interesting to me. And then I have to say that I have been totally fascinated by the advice on feedback in this book um, to the point that I'm actually running a um, feedback group. Uh, we do um, learning forums in my school and teachers come after school on uh, Thursdays um, three or four times a year and look at different areas. And I've been running a feedback group for a few years now. And this year we are going to be taking our um, inspiration from this book, um, The Boy Question. And we're also going to be looking at the Craft of Assessment by uh, Michael Childs. And we are going to be thinking about how we can move our assessment in our lessons forward. We're going to try out some different ideas. People will feedback to the group and then we can take that to look at whether there's some ideas that need to be shared whole school. Now, the bit that I'm particularly fascinated by in the boy question is this idea of thinking about feedback focused on learning or mastery goals rather than feedback which is linked to performance goals. I'm really excited. There's excellent information in this book about how this can be achieved. And I just think this is really um, a great thing to do instead of the idea of you need to finish this, you need to get this done. The idea of you need to learn this. Let's make sure you have got a really good understanding of a particular thing. So this is really exciting. Um, I am going to be sharing some of these ideas with my feedback group soon and I'm really excited to see what we can um, do. So thank you very much to Mark Roberts for writing this fab book and I hope this information is useful to you. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks, Catherine. I enjoyed listening to your reflection. You picked interesting points to consider. In two weeks' time, the episode will be on Habits of Success by Harry Fletcher Wood. Of course, I'm looking for readers of the book to come and share how they are applying the reading of this book to their practice. Please get in touch if that's you. As always, all support is very gratefully received, whether that's sharing the podcast, posting a review wherever you get your podcasts, or via my Buy Me A Coffee page, the link for which is on my profile or is buymeacoffee.com forward slash fptp pod i've got a selection of books ready for the october to christmas run five books and only four slots so one will have to wait until january i've popped a photo on both twitter and instagram so let me know your thoughts to help me decide hope you enjoyed today's episode and i'll be back in two weeks with another bye you've been listening to from page to practice don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag page practice podcast alternatively to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast thanks go to kevin mcleod of incomtech.com for use of the tracks cheery monday and fuzzball parade which are licensed under creative commons